Perhaps the Lord will come for us very, very soon in the blessed hope. Or if he tarries, the fact that life is short as well, because James says that our life is but a vapor in comparison to eternity. So I don't know what's going to happen first. If the Lord's going to come for us first, and and what is the rapture of the church, or we're going to go through physical death. But whatever it might be, life is short, and the time is short. Welcome to Under the Fig Tree. Under the Fig Tree is a verse-by-verse study taught by Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We are currently studying through the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Here's Pastor Jeff. And we do read, now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that it is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. Verse 29, But this I say, brethren, the time is short, So that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it, for the form of this world is passing away. You know, it was a couple weeks ago that a, a pastor friend of mine he said as we were talking that when he heard that we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he referred to this chapter as a Passover chapter. In other words, it's a chapter that he prefers to pass over when he's teaching the Word of God. And, of course, he, he was kidding, and, and we were just kind of being humorous. And Because all of us, as well as he does, we know that, that 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is, of course, a very, very important chapter for all of us to understand and, and to have that understanding of God's will for our lives, whatever state that you might find yourself in, whether you are singled or whether you're married or widowed or divorced, because Paul deals with all of these issues in this chapter. And as we have discussed, as Paul's writing to the church at Corinth here, to the believers there in the city of Corinth, he's writing about five years after the church had been established. And Paul's in the city of Ephesus writing this letter to them. It was a corrective letter. We will see that Paul uh, will continue to bring correction to the saints, the Christians, and the church concerning different issues. We've seen a number of those issues already in the first six chapters as there was division and there was quarreling, there was fighting, there was carnality, there was uh, you know, uh, immorality that was in the church. They were suing each other, all these things. But also we know that Paul is responding to them of a letter that they had written to Paul the Apostle. When Chloe and his, or her household came over to Ephesus to tell Paul of the state of the affairs there in the church of Corinth and the problems they were going through, they would also bring some questions that they had to ask the Apostle Paul. So in chapter 7, as we saw that the chapter opened up by saying, concerning the things in which you wrote to me. And that's something that we're going to continue to see. And 
When we go into chapter 8 next week, he will say, now concerning uh, meat that's been offered to idols, and he'll talk about our liberty in, in Christ in chapters 8, 9, and 10. So they had very specific questions concerning marriage and being singled and, and divorce and remarriage and all of that that Paul has been covering in this chapter. In verses 1 through 9, we saw that he talks about purity. He talks about purity in the marriage. He says that a married couple, that they are to give the affection that is due to one another, that is right and that is uh, good in the sight of the Lord. He would say to those who are single, if God has gifted you in that state of singleness, then you are to remain pure, celibate. But no one is called into sexual immorality. And in verses 10 through 16, then he talks about the permanence in the, of the marriage, how God's desire for us is to keep our marriage vows. And so he talks about staying with your spouse. And he also would talk about that if you're married to an unbeliever, because that was a huge issue there in the church of Corinth, because many of them were coming out of idolatry and immorality and paganism, and they found themselves married to an unbeliever. So they're wondering, is our marriage valid? And is it uh, good and right and the will of God for us to stay in our marriages? And Paul said that if that unbelieving spouse was willing to stay with you, then you are to stay with them and keep your marriage vows. And so we saw that he gave three reasons why that married uh, or that believing spouse should stay with the unbelieving spouse. He says that the believing spouse sanctifies the unbelieving spouse. That is, that the believing spouse, husband or wife, brings blessing and benefit to the unbelieving spouse. Second of all, he says your children are also going to receive blessing and benefit as well. And that is true, isn't it? Because the believing spouse is going to bring the instruction and the admonition of the Lord to those children, the things of God, the gospel message to those children, so they do benefit from that. And then thirdly, the chances increase, as he says, that the unbelieving spouse will come to the Lord. He says, how do you know that your unbelieving spouse won't get saved. And so as that believing spouse is a testimony and a witness to the unbelieving spouse that as they pray for them, that hopefully they'll come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul would also say that if they do the part, the unbelieving spouse, then you let them go, that you are called not to bondage, but to peace. And so not only purity in the marriage and permanence in the marriage, but also we saw that whatever state in verses 17 through 24 that Paul would emphasize pleasing the Lord. Whether you're married or whether you're single, in that state, you live to please the Lord with your life. You live for Him, and you walk with Him, and you have a heart for Him. And you can do that whether you're married or whether you're single. And now as we finish the chapter in verses 25 through 40, he's going to talk about the profit of the state that you're in, particularly in being single. And so he's going to emphasize that as we finish the chapter. Now, I want to remind you of a couple of things here as we go through this chapter. First of all, if you're single and, and you have a desire that someday you'd, you'd like to be married, um, then um, there's nothing wrong with having that desire at all. But I think that as we go through this chapter in this section of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, there are some things to consider and pray about in the text that we'll cover that as you are single, there are special benefits and blessings that come with that and for us to understand. And for particularly for you 
who are single to understand that there is benefit in that. So let's begin to look at that as we read once again in verse 25. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that it is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loose from a wife? Do not seek a wife, in verse 28. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. And so Paul telling us that marriage is good in the sight of God, but being single does have its advantages. If you're married, then you are to stay married. If you're single, then it is good for one to remain in that state, and in verses 32 through 34, he's really going to emphasize why, what the advantages or the benefits could be as he gives his reasons. But we also see in verse 26 that he does give another reason. And that being in verse 26, as he says, because of the present distress. And so apparently there was some kind of local persecution or distress or problem in the city of Corinth. And it could be that as the Christians were beginning to understand that as they came to Christ and as they were told that they were to live for Christ, they were to live in purity, the city of Corinth being given over to sin and immorality to a great degree, as we have discussed, that those who were unbelievers and those who were involved in that immorality and idolatry and paganism, that they were giving the Christians a hard time, maybe perhaps bringing persecution to them, as Paul gives indication of that. And so Paul says, because of the, of the distress that you're experiencing there in the city of Corinth, there is an advantage to being single. But if you are married, stay married. And if you are loose from a wife, don't seek a wife. And I believe that the implication here is simply this. Don't strive to find a wife. Don't strive and try to make it happen a spouse. Now, what I mean by that is this. To give a good illustration of that, back in the Garden of Eden, when we see that Adam was there in the garden, and we know that in Genesis chapter 2, that God would bring Adam his wife. And when did God bring Adam his, his wife? He did it when Adam was sleeping, wasn't he? God caused a deep sleep on Adam. He took a rib out of his side, and it says there in Genesis chapter 2 that God brought Eve to him. And it happened when he was asleep, when he was at rest, that the Lord brought Adam a wife. And so if you are single this morning, and, and you desire to someday be married or be remarried, I think that the best thing that you can do in trying and in desiring to find perhaps Mr. Right or Miss Right just rest in the Lord. Just rest in the Lord. Not only trust in Him, but rest in Him. When we talked about resting in the Lord on Wednesday night in the book of Joshua, is the book of Joshua, they went in and took the land and they divided the land up and, and the fighting had stopped. And it says there that there was rest in the land. There was rest among the children of Israel. And I think that every single one of us, in whatever state that we find ourselves in, that we desire to have rest in our hearts, just that, that confidence and that joy and that happiness 
uh, in the Lord, just that sense of peace in the Lord. That's what it means to rest in the Lord. And it comes by, as we saw in the book of Joshua, as, first of all, we come to the Lord. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. And perhaps you're weary this morning. Maybe you're heavy laden. Maybe because you find yourself in that single state. And you desire and, and, and the loneliness that can come. And Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest for your souls, is what he says, as you come and learn of me. So at, first of all, it comes by coming to the Lord, just yoking yourself with him. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then second of all, trusting in his promises and his word that is given to you and to me. And that's what they did. The children of Israel trusted in the word given, that you're going to take the land, you're going to possess every word that your foot treads, and they believed that promise and they had great victory. And as you and I look at the promises of the Lord that is given to us, then we can trust that he's going to take care of us. Now you recall that last week, as we saw in verse 23, that Paul would remind them that you've been bought at a price, an incredible price that you have been redeemed by, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. All the money in the world cannot redeem you, but it was only by Jesus Christ coming and dying on Calvary's cross for you. And he went to Calvary's cross because of his love for you, and if he loved you then, that's why he went to the cross. He loved you so much that he was willing to die for you. Don't you know that he loves you so much now that he wants to do what is best for your life? He wants to guide you and direct you and bless your life and give you that life abundantly that he desires for us to experience through him. So to have that rest, to come to him and just surrender completely to him and just follow after him, to trust in him and his promises and knowing that, God, you are going to work all things out for good for those who love you, who are called according to your purposes. And then thirdly, just walking with him, walking in obedience, walking with the Lord, desiring to please him with your life. And that's what they did. So we saw those principles of resting in the Lord. And that's what he wants us to do. Again, in whatever state, but as Paul's talking about being single, for you to just rest in the Lord and trust in him and what he's doing in your life. You see, when you marry somebody, I believe that's the second most important decision that you make. The most important decision that you make is, of course, your devotion and your, your surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you make a decision that you want to marry somebody or two people come together desiring to be joined together in matrimony, that is a, a huge responsibility and decision that you are making that you don't take lightly. And I think that most of us know that. But it is the second most important decision that you're going to make. It is more important than where you're going to go to school or finish school, what job you're going to take, uh, where you're going to live, what car you're going to drive. And I'm not saying that those decisions aren't important. But when you make a decision to get married, you're talking about, particularly if you're young, the next 30, 40, 50, maybe 60 years of your life. And so it is a huge decision. And so you rest and trust in the Lord and let him do the work in you in due season at the right time and just bring in that person if he does and when he does. So resting in the Lord, watch what he'll do. And Adam rested, and a rib was taken from Adam's side, and he looked at, at Eve and said, Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and this is the one who is the completer for me. And so it came when Adam was just waiting on the Lord and resting in the Lord. So here Paul picks up on that 
Same thing, just rest, be content is what he's saying. If you are married, stay in that state. If you're single, don't be striving, struggling, trying to make something happen. But verse 28, if you're married, you have not sinned. But I would spare you. You will have trouble in the flesh. And again, Paul doesn't imply that being married or being single is more spiritual than the other. We saw in verse 7 of the chapter that Paul says each has their own gift from God. Being single is a gift. Being married is a gift from God. But Paul is, is just saying when you are married that there's going to be challenges, isn't there? There's going to be um, difficult de- times and days perhaps when you're married because it's two imperfect people living together. So as he's stressing and as he's just being honest, he says there will be challenges. Don't think that you're alone when that happens, but it's reality. Trust in the Lord is that as well. You turn to him. God will work and can work. But you'll have some challenges if you choose matrimony. But I would spare you. And in verse 29, by this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it, for the form of this world is passing away. So Paul says, the time is short. The time is short, and, and it is. I believe prophetically that the time is short. I, I believe that we are in the last days, that the prophetic clock is ticking. But we also know that our biological clocks are ticking as well. Now, I was talking with somebody who's had a birthday and and. Um, they just turned 22, somebody who's young. And, and he was telling me and, and kind of saying, oh, I'm starting to feel old, I'm 22, and he was kind of kidding. <laughs> and, and I said, you know what? Last week I went to the dentist, and uh, I've got a cracked filling, and next week they're going to have to take it out and put in a new filling. That filling is 30 years old. So I have fillings that are older than you. <laughs> So keep things in perspective. And, and we, as believers, I think we know that, that life is short. And perhaps the Lord will come for us very, very soon in the blessed hope. Or if he tarries, the fact that life is short as well. Because James says that our life is but a vapor in, in comparison to eternity. So I don't know what's going to happen first. If the Lord's going to come for us first, and, and what is the rapture of the church, or we're going to go through physical death. But whatever it might be, life is short, and the time is short. So Paul here is saying that we are to stay focused on and live for the kingdom of God, not of this world. Because this world is going to pass away. Just keep the Lord the priority when it comes to, as we read in verse 29, your relationships. Keep the Lord the priority when it comes to verse 30, your emotions, and then also in verse 30, your possessions. It was Jesus that said, Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That is, as you seek God and and live for God, all the things of this world are going to take care of themselves. Yes, marriage is very important. Our emotions play a huge role to us in our lives. Possessions, we have them, and every good gift comes from above. As a Christian, though, I realize that my number one priority in life is the Lord and the things of the kingdom. My love for the Lord, my trusting the Lord, my service for the Lord. And so that's the priority. 
And as you keep that to priority, you know what you'll find, what I will find, is that you will have a blessed and very happy marriage, won't you? You'll be content in life and whatever it is that you do have, whatever state that you are in, whether married or, or single. You'll have emotional stability. And the Lord is the one that brings blessing to all those areas of our lives, doesn't he? He wants to grow your marriage. He wants to grow your love for your spouse. He wants to grow your love for him. He desires to, for you to be content and find fulfillment and satisfaction in him. He desires for you to be strong and stable in those areas of your life as you seek first the kingdom of God. Be strong and stable emotionally. And so Paul emphasizing that he continues in verse 32 now tell the advantages of being single he says but i want you to be without care he who is unmarried cared for the things of the lord how he may please the lord but he who is married cares about the things of the world how he may please his wife there is a difference between a wife and a virgin the unmarried woman cares about the things of the lord that she may be holy both in body and in spirit but she who is married cares about the things of the world how she may please her husband Verse 35, And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. So what we're being told here is that the person is more free to serve God when they don't have the responsibilities to a spouse, to a family. And so Paul emphasizing that, he says that's why he's saying it's good to remain even as I am. Paul, of course, at this time was single. In a couple chapters, he's going to talk about Barnabas and traveling with Barnabas. And he's going to talk about uh, him and Barnabas, giving an indication that Barnabas as well was single just like Paul was and didn't travel with their wives. Now, Paul is not saying that if you're married and you have a spouse and you have a family that you can't serve God, you can't please God. Of course he's not saying that. I know married couples that do serve the Lord. There are many here in this fellowship that they serve the Lord. They've been faithful in serving the Lord. They've been faithful in walking with the Lord. I know other couples uh, that are perhaps missionary couples and their families are in the mission field and they're out there serving the Lord and they're giving themselves to the Lord, them and their families, sometimes in very difficult situations. But as he is emphasizing this, of course, we know that Paul When he traveled, he experienced a lot of persecution, didn't he? A lot of difficulties, a lot of hardships. But he could devote himself completely to serving the Lord in a way which would have been a lot more difficult if he had a spouse or he had a family. And when you are married, you have commitments to your spouse, don't you? Husbands, we have we have commitments and we have responsibility to our wives and wives to your husbands. And we are to live to please them. Now when Paul says that those who are married care about the things of the world, that is pleasing their wife or pleasing their husband, he is not saying this to condemn the married person. But what Paul is emphasizing to us is that that's the way it should be for the married person. And if you are married here this morning husband or wife, that is what you are to do. You are to please your spouse. You are to give to them. You do have a ministry to them. I have a ministry to to my wife, Sue. I have a ministry to my children. And that ministry is a priority. And I could not come and minister here as the pastor of this church if I wasn't making that a priority in my life. 
If I wasn't given to my wife, if I wasn't loving her, if we didn't have a strong marriage, if my children weren't under submission, Paul would write to Timothy in that way. That that's a qualification of a shepherd. And so my, my ministry is a priority at home and is very important here, but I could not do the ministry here if things weren't right at home, if I wasn't given to my wife. And I think we all understand that. So as Paul would write to the Ephesians later on, after he wrote this letter, he would say to them, Husbands, you're to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And as you read that there in Ephesians chapter 5, what that is saying, husbands, is that your wife is a priority in your life. You are to give yourself to her. You give and you give and you give to her. You lay down your life for her. You love her unconditionally. You serve her just as Christ gave himself to us, even to the point of death. And so I am to do that for my wife. We are to give to each other couples, as the scripture says. Now, as we just got through talking about, that our priority is the Lord, isn't it? My priority is the kingdom of God. That is to be my wife's priority as well, Sue's. But that does not mean that we don't give to each other. Because as we are given to each other, and as we are loving each other, and as we're ministering to each other, and as we are fulfilling those responsibilities that God gives to us in His Word, that's being obedient to the Lord. And so Paul's sharing with us that that's the way it should be, that you live to please your spouse, cultivating a relationship with your spouse that is right and is good in the sight of the Lord. Thank you for joining us on Under the Fig Tree. If you would like a copy of today's study, please call us and ask for the message with today's date. Our phone number is 970-330-1717. That number again, 970-330-1717. If you prefer, you can write us at 2602 West 27th Street, Greeley, Colorado, 80634. You can also visit us online at ccgreeley.com. Under the Fig Tree is brought to you by Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We invite you to join with us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. and our Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Please join with us next time as we continue to study the Bible together on Under the Fig Tree.